Hello again. It's time for Chapter 5 of The Trumpet of the Swan by Evie. Chapter 5, Lewis. One evening, a few weeks later, when the cygnets were asleep, the swan said to the cob, Have you noticed anything different about one of our children, the one we call Lewis? Different? replied the cob. In what way is Lewis different than from his brothers and sisters? Lewis looks all right to me. He is growing well, he swims and dives beautifully. He eats well, and he will soon have his flight feathers. Oh, he looks all right, said the swan, and heaven knows he eats enough. He's healthy and bright and a great swimmer. But have you ever heard Lewis make any sound as the others do? Have you ever heard him use his voice or say anything? Have you ever heard him utter a single beep or a single burble? Come to think of it, I never have, replied the cob, who was beginning to look worried. Have you ever heard Lewis say good night to us as the others do? Have you ever heard him say good morning as the others do in their charming little way, burbling and beeping? Now that you mention it, I never have, said the cob. Goodness, what are you getting at? Do you wish me to believe that I have a son who is defective in any way? Such a revelation would distress me greatly. I want everything to go smoothly in my family life so that I can glide gracefully and serenely now in the prime of my life without being haunted by worry or disappointment. Fatherhood is quite a burden at best. I do not want to the added strain of having a defective child, a child that has something the matter with him. Well, said the wife, I've been watching Lewis lately. It is my opinion the little fellow can't talk. I've never heard him make one sound. I think he came into the world lacking a voice. If he had a voice, he'd use it the same as the others do. Why, this is terrible, said the cob. This is distressing beyond words. This is a very serious matter. His wife looked at him in amazement, in amusement. It's not too serious now, she said. But it will be serious two or three years from now, when Lewis falls in love, as he surely will do. A, a young male swan would be, will be greatly handicapped in finding a mate if he is unable to say "cahoo, cahoo," or if he can't utter a single, uh, the, utter the usual endearments to the young female of his choice. Are you sure? asked the cob. Certainly, I'm sure. She replied. I can remember perfectly well the springtime years ago when you fell in love with me and began chasing me after me. What a sight you were, and what a lot of noise you made. It was in Montana, remember? Of course I remember, said the cob. Well, the thing that attracted me most to you was your voice, your wonderful voice. It was? asked the cob. Yes, you had the finest, most powerful, most resonant voice of any of the young male swans in the Red, Rake, Red Rock Lakes National Wildlife Refuge in Montana. I did? asked the cob. Yes, indeed. Every time I heard you say something in, in that deep voice of yours, I was ready to go anywhere with you. You were? asked the cob. He was obviously delighted with his wife's praise. It tickled his vanity and made him feel great. He had always fancied himself as having a fine voice, and now to hear it up from his wife's own lips was a real thrill. In the pleasure of the moment, he forgot all about Lewis and thought entirely of himself. And, of course, he did remember that enchanted springtime on the lake of, in Montana when he had fallen in love. He remembered how pretty the swan had been, how young and innocent she seemed, how attractive, how desirable. Now he realized fully that he would never have been able to woo her and win her if he had been unable to say anything. We'll not worry about Lewis for the time being, said the swan. He's still very young, but we must watch him next winter when we are in Montana for the season. 
We must stay together as a family till we see how Lewis makes out. She walked over to where her sleeping signets were settled, were and settled down next to them. The night was chill. Carefully, she lifted one wing and covered the signets with it. They stirred in their sleep and drew close to her. The cob stood quietly, thinking about what his wife had just told him. He was a brave, noble bird, and already he was beginning to work out a plan for his little son, Lewis. If it's really true that Lewis has no voice, said the cob to himself, then I shall provide him with a device of some sort to enable him to make a lot of noise. There must be some way out of this difficulty. After all, my son is a trumpeter swan. He should have a voice like a trumpet. But first, I will test him to make sure that is what his mother says is true. The cob was unable to sleep that night. He stood on one leg quietly, but sleep never came. Next morning, after everyone had enjoyed a good breakfast, he led Lewis apart from the others. Lewis, he said, I wish to speak with you to you alone. Let's just you and I take a swim by ourselves to the other end of the pond, where we can talk privately without being interrupted. Lewis was surprised by this, but he nodded his head and followed his father, swimming strongly in his wake. He did not understand why his father wanted to speak to him alone without his brothers and sisters. Now, said the cob, when they had reached the upper end of the pond, here we are, gracefully floating, supremely buoyant, at some distance from the others, in perfect surroundings, a fine morning with the pond quiet, except for the song of the blackbirds, making the air sweet. I wish my father would get to the point, thought Lewis. This is an ideal place for our conference, continued the cob. There is something I feel I should discuss with you very candidly and openly, something that concerns your future. We need not range over the whole spectrum of bird life, but just confine our talk to one essential thing that is before us on this unusual occasion. Oh, I wish my father would get to the point, thought Lewis, who by this time was getting very nervous. It has come to my attention, Lewis, continued the cob, that you rarely say anything. In fact, I can't ever recall, or ever, I can't recall ever hearing you utter a sound. I have never heard you speak or say coho or cry out, either in fear or joy. This is most unusual for a young trumpeter. It is serious. Lewis, let me hear you say beep. Go ahead, say it. Say beep. Poor Lewis. While his father watched, he took a deep breath, opened his mouth, and let the air out, hoping it would say beep. But there wasn't a sound. Try again, Lewis, said his father. Perhaps you're not making in, uh, enough of an effort. Lewis tried again. It was no use. No sound came from his throat. He shook his head sadly. Watch me, said the cob. He raised his neck to full, its full height and cried, Coo So loud it was heard by every creature for miles around. Now let me hear you go beep, he commanded. Say beep, Lewis, loud and clear. Lewis tried. He couldn't beep. Let me hear you burble. Go ahead and burble. Like this, burble, burble, burble. Lewis tried to burble. He couldn't do it. No sound came. Well, said the cob, I guess it's no use. I guess you are dumb. When he heard the word dumb, Lewis felt like crying. The cob saw he had hurt Lewis's feelings. You misunderstand me, my son, he said in a comforting voice. You failed to understand my use of the word dumb, which has two meanings. If I had called you dumb cluck, or dumb buddy, that would have meant that I had a poor opinion of your intelligence. Actually, I think you are perhaps the brightest, smartest, most intelligent of all of my signets. 
Words sometimes have two meanings. The word dumb is such a word. A person who can't see is called blind. A person who can't hear is called deaf. A person who can't speak is called dumb. That simply means he can't say anything. Do you understand? Lewis nodded his head. He felt better and he was grateful to his father for explaining the word had two meanings. He felt off, still felt awfully unhappy though. Do not let any unnatural sadness settle over you, Lewis, said the cob. Swans must be cheerful, not sad, graceful, not awkward, brave, not cowardly. Remember that the world is full of youngsters who have some sort of handicap that they must overcome. You apparently have a speech defect. I am sure you will overcome it in time. There may be even some slight advantage at your age in not being able to say anything. It compels you to be a good listener. The world is full of talkers, but it is rare to find anyone who listens. And I assure you that you can pick up more information when you are listening than when you are talking. My father does quite a lot of talking himself, thought Lewis. Some people, continued the cob, go through life chattering and making a lot of noise with their mouths. Uh, n they never listen, really listen to anything. They are too busy expressing their opinions, which are often sound or based on unsound or based on um, bad information. Therefore, my son, be of good cheer. Enjoy life. Learn to fly. Eat well. Drink well. Use your ears. Use your eyes. And I promise that some day I will make it possible for you to use your voice. There are mechanical devices that convert air into beautiful sound. sounds. One such device is called a trumpet. I saw a trumpet once in my travel. I think you may need a trumpet in order to live a full life. I've never known a trumpet or swan to need a trumpet, but in your case it may it is it's diff but your case is different. I intend to get you what you need. I don't know how I will manage this, but in the fullness of time it shall be accomplished. And now that our talk has come to a close, let us gracefully re return gracefully to the other end of the pond, where your mother and your brothers and sisters await us. The cob turned and swam off. Lewis followed. It had been an unhappy morning for him. He felt frightened at being different from his brothers and sisters. It scared him to be different. He couldn't understand why he had come into the world without a voice. Everyone else seemed to have a voice. Why didn't he? Fate is cruel, he thought. Fate is cruel to me. Then he remembered that his father had promised to help, and he felt better. Soon they joined the others, and everyone started wa water games. Lewis joined in, dipping and splashing and diving and twisting. Lewis couldn't splash farther than any of the others, or he could splash farther than any of the others, and but he couldn't shout while he was doing it. To be able to shout while you are splashing water is half the fun. That's the end of that chapter. See you next time. Hello again. It's time for the Trumpet of the Swan, Chapter 6, by E.B. White. Chapter 6, Off to Montana. At the end of the summer, the cob gathered his family around him and made an announcement. Children, he began, I have news for you. Summer is drawing to a close. Leaves are turning red, pink, and pale yellow. Soon the leaves will fall. The time has come for us to leave this pond. The time has come for us to go. Go? cried all the signets except Lewis. Certainly, replied their father, you children are old enough to learn the facts of life, and the principal fact of our life right now is this. We can't stay in this marvelous location any much longer. Why not? cried all the signets except Lewis. Because summer is over, said the cob, and it is at that 
it, it is the way of the swans to leave their nesting site at summer's end and travel south to a milder place where the food supply is good. I know that you are all fond of this pretty pond, this marvelous marsh, these reedy shores and restful retreats. You have found life pleasant and amusing here. You have learned to, to dive and swim underwater. You have enjoyed our daily recreational trips when we formed in line, myself in front swimming gracefully like a locomotive, and your charming mother bringing up the rear like a caboose. Day long you have listened and learned. You have avoided the odious otter and the cruel coyote. You have listened to the little owl that says, Co, 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 co. You have heard the partridge saying, Quick, quick. At night you have dropped off to sleep at the, to the sound of frogs, the voices of the night. But these pleasures and pastimes, these adventures, these games and frolics, these beloved sights and sounds must come to an end. All things must come to an end. It is time for us to go. Where will we go? cried all the signets except Lewis. Where will we go, Coho, Coho? Where will we go, Coho, Coho? We will fly south to Montana, replied the cob. What is Montana? asked all the signets except Lewis. What is Montana, banana, banana? What is Montana, banana, banana? Montana, said their father, is, the, is a state of the Union, and there in a lovely valley surrounded by high mountains are the red rock lakes which nature has designed, especially for swans. In these lakes you will enjoy warm water arising from hidden springs. Here ice never forms, no matter how cold the nights. In the red rock lakes you will find other trumpeter swans, as well as the lesser waterfowls, the geese the, and the ducks. There are few enemies, no gunners, plenty of muskrat houses, free grain, games every day. What more can a swan ask in the long, long cold of winter? Lewis listened to all this in amazement. He wanted to ask his father how they would learn to fly and how they would find Montana even after they learned to fly. He began to worry about getting lost, but he wasn't able to ask any questions. He just had to listen. One of his brothers spoke up. Father, he said, you said we would fly south. I don't know how to fly. I've never been up in the air. True, replied the cob, but flying is largely a matter of having the right altitude plus uh, attitude plus, of course, good wing feathers. Flying consists of three parts. First, the, the takeoff during which there is a lot of fuss and commotion, a lot of splashing and rapid beating of the wings. Second, the ascent or gaining of altitude. This requires hard work and fast, fast wing action. Third, the leveling off, the steady elevated flight, air in wing, air in, high in air, wings beating slower now, beating strongly and regularly, carrying us swiftly and surely from zone to zone as we cry, Coho, Coho, with all the earth stretched out far below. It sounds very nice, said the signet, but I'm not sure how I can do it. I might get dizzy way up there if I look down. Don't look down, said his father. Look straight ahead and don't lose your nerve. Besides, swans do not get dizzy. They feel wonderful in the air. They feel exalted. What does the word exalted mean? asked the signet. It means you will feel strong, glad, firm, high, proud, successful, satisfied, powerful, and elevated, as though you had conquered life and had a high purpose. Lewis listened to all this with great attention. The idea of flying frightened him. I won't be able to say coho, he thought. I wonder whether a swan can fly if he has no voice and can't say coho. I think, said the cob, the best plan for me is to is for me to demonstrate flying to you. 
I will make a short exhibition flight while you watch. Observe everything I do. Watch me pump my neck up and down before take the takeoff. Watch me test the wind by turning my head this way and that. The takeoff must be into the wind. It's much easier that way. Listen to the noise I make trumpeting. Watch how I raise my great wings. See how I beat f them furiously as I rush through the water with my feet going like mad. This frenzy will not will last for a couple of hundred feet, at which point I will suddenly be airborne. My wings will be chop will ch still chopping the air with terrific force, but my feet no longer touching the water. Then watch what I do. Watch how I stretch my long, white, elegant neck out ahead of me until it has reached its full length. Watch how I retract my feet and allow them to stream out behind, full length until the ex they extend beyond my tail. Hear my cries as I gain the upper air and start trumpeting. See how strong and steady my wing beat has become. Then watch me bank and turn, set my wings and glide down. And just as I reach the pond again, watch how I shoot my feet out in front, up in front of me and use them for the splashdown, as though they were a pair of water skis. Having watched all this, then you can join me and your mother too, and we will all make a practice flight together until you get the hang of it. Then tomorrow we will do it again, and instead of returning to the pond, we will fly south to, the Mo to Montana. Are you ready for my exhibition flight? Ready, cried all the signets except Lewis. Very well, here I go, cried the cob. As the others watched, he swam downwind to the end of the pond, turned, tested the wind, pumped his neck up and down, trumpeted, and after a rush of two hundred feet, got into the air and began gaining altitude. His long white neck stretched out ahead, his black, big black feet stretched out behind. His wings had a great, had great power. They, the beat slowed as he settled into a, into sustained flight. All eyes watched. Lewis was more exciting than he had ever been. I wonder if I can really do it, he thought. Suppose I fail. Then the others will fly away and I will be left here all alone in this deserted pond with winter approaching with no father, no mother, no sisters, no brothers and no food to eat. When the pond freezes over, I will die of starvation. I'm scared. In a few minutes, the gob glided down out of the sky and skidded to a stop on the pond. They all cheered. Ko-ho, ko-ho, beep, 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 all but Lewis. He had to express his approval simply by beating his wings and splashing water in his father's face. All right, said the cob, you've seen how it's done. Follow me and we'll give it a try. Extend yourselves to the utmost. Do everything in the proper order. Never forget him for a moment that you are swans and therefore excellent flyers, and I'm sure all will be well. They all swam downwind to the end of the pond. They pumped their necks up and down. Lewis pumped his harder than any of the others. They tested the wind by turning their heads this way and that. Suddenly the cob signaled for the start. There was a tremendous commotion. Wings beating, feet racing, water churned to a froth. And presently, wonder of wonders, there were seven swans in the air. Two pure white ones and five dirty gray ones. The takeoff was accomplished, and they started gaining altitude. Lewis was the first of the young signets to become airborne, ahead of all his other brothers and sisters. The minute his feet lifted clear of the water, he knew he could fly. It was a tremendous relief, as well as a splendid sensation. 
boy, he said to himself, I never knew flying could be so much fun. This is great. This is sensational. This is superb. I feel exalted. I am not dizzy. I'll be able to get to Montana with the rest of the family. I may be defective, but at least I can fly. The seven great birds stayed aloft for about half an hour, then returned to the pond, the, the cob still in the lead. They all had a drink to celebrate the successful flight. The next, next day they were up early. It was a beautiful fall morning, the mist rising from the pond, the trees shining all colors. Toward the end of the afternoon, as the sun sank low in the sky, the swans took off from the pond and began their journey to Montana. This way, cried the cob. He swung to his left and straightened out on the southerly course. The others followed, trumpeting as they went. As they passed over the camp where Sam Beaver was, Sam heard them and ran out. He stood watching as they grew smaller and smaller in the distance and finally disappeared. What was it? asked his father when Sam returned indoors. Swans, replied Sam. They're headed south. We better do the same, said Mr. Beaver. I think Shorty'll be here tomorrow to take us out. Mr. Beaver lay on his bunk, lay down on his bunk. What kind of swans were they? he asked. Trumpeters, said Sam. That's funny, said Mr. Mr. Beaver. I thought trumpeter swans had quit migrating. I thought they spent the whole year on the Red Rock Lakes where they were are protected. Most of them do, replied Sam, but not all of them. It was bedtime. Sam got out his diary. This is what he wrote. I heard the swans tonight. They are headed south. That it must be wonderful to fly at night. I wonder whether I'll ever see one of them again. How does a bird know how to get from where he is to where he wants to be? The end of chapter six. Talk to you next time.